realizing that I can be strong and I can be vulnerable at the same time. And it's, and it's, yeah, and it's okay, you know, and, you know, I'm a kind of a driven, achieving kind of person and, you know, I don't have to be perfect. This is a podcast about the adventures of wild women. And through our adventures, we become wild women. We'll get into the heart of what adventure is all about and share stories from the wild women who inspire us to reach higher and dig deeper. We'll shine a spotlight on the mystery of places in the world we've encountered in our travels and where we're dreaming of going next. All women are invited to go wild with us. Welcome. Chris Fagan is a true wild woman whose world of adventure includes polar exploring, ultra running, paddling, and mountaineering. Chris draws from her career in the field of innovation and creative thinking as a speaker, corporate consultant, and award-winning author of The Expedition, Two Parents Risk Life and Family in an Extraordinary Quest to the South Pole. Get ready to embrace new mindsets and fresh ideas in this episode, where we'll chat about being bold and boundless in the wildest place on Earth, Antarctica. Welcome, Chris Fagan. Hi, Chris. It's great to get this chance to talk to you today and uh, specifically about your adventure in the Antarctic, which I'm really excited to hear about. Um, but starting out, I'm curious, what adventure means to you, sort of how you came to this adventurous spirit that you obviously have and how that's maybe changed your life? Great. Well, thanks for having me today. It's so great to be here. I love that question. Um, to me, adventure it just includes a range of activities. Uh, so it doesn't have to be some extreme, amazing event that you go out and do, uh, although it can be that. For me, I really like to incorporate it into my day-to-day -day life. So it's anywhere from going on a hike just down the road on these great trails from my house to we have a pickleball court in our front yard oh, wow. to play pickleball um, to, you know, planning an amazing journey like the one I took uh, to the South Pole, an expedition with my husband. And so I think it just really taps into your desire to discover, to be curious about the world, to to step into the unknown. And, and this can be at the smallest level or at the highest level. And um, I think it's Part of that sometimes is taking a risk, you know, and mm. pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, but not always. Mm -hmm. uh, adventure can just be, hey, this is delightfully new, mm. and it kind of energizes you in, in different ways. I think it, it also provides you an opportunity to be just bold, you mm. know, to, to tap into that part of yourself that sometimes just lays dormant. You know, in our day-to-day -day lives, we're sitting around in our homes that are cozy and warm and enjoying ourselves in that regard. But there's, I think we all have inherent in our bodies an adventurous spirit that's dying to get out and be a little bold. And um, so that's what it means to me. It, it kind of pushes me, it dares me to live more fully, actually. Mm. And um, I think you asked me how it changed my life. How it life. changed your life. Yeah. Yeah. How, how has it changed my life? That's a big question. It's changed, it's touched my life in so many ways because as I've grown into adulthood and I've married and have a child, adventure has really become a family value. 
And mm. it's something that we live and try to breathe all the time. We tried as my son was growing, my son is now 20, but as he was growing, it was something we infused in our day-to-day -day life with him and just tried to model it. So it's changed my life in that it's shaped my entire life, I believe. Mm -hmm. But when I reflect on the really difficult kinds of adventures that I've done and I've done and how they have actually impacted me, I think that adventure really helps me tap into learning about myself. You know, the further I go out into the wilderness, the deeper I go into myself mm, beautiful. and start to access and discover places unknown to myself, mm. uh, especially when you reflect on those times. Mm -hmm. So it also keeps me in balance. I think it's mm -hmm. changed my life by providing balance in that we all get a little stressed about our day-to-day -day lives, our work, our responsibilities as a parent or other responsibilities in the world. And those can kind of start kind of gradually weighing mm -hmm. us down and yeah. we lose perspective or balance. And I can just walk outside and go for a hike for 30 minutes, come back or, or, and feel refreshed and feel balanced. And I have pursued over time, over the years, different adventures in order to push beyond that one hour, more like, mm. you know, days, weeks, a month out in, in the wild. And you, you just get a balance and perspective on your life. And it mm -hmm. just puts everything kind of back into um, a peaceful, um, in the moment kind of perspective. It's taught me how to live in the moment, really, mm -hmm. and um, appreciate what's in the here and now. Because, mm -hmm. you know, when you're on adventures, it boils down to the simplicity of just you're being in the here and now, and we can't Absolutely. be distracted by our computers and our phones and our to-do list beckoning mm -hmm. us from all over our house. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really relate to that, that idea of, of our, our daily lives, kind of the grind. And then when you get out on an adventure, it, everything shifts and you're just in that moment. You're just focused on that. And there's a kind of clearing that happens. I also really liked what you said about adventures don't have to, to throw us way out of our comfort zone, right? We can have small adventures that we feel really comfortable with, or we can have adventures that push us right to our limits. And I'm curious about how you get out, like, how is that process for you? Because you've done some adventures that I'm sure have taken you way out of your comfort zone. So how is that for you? And, and you know, maybe some advice for others who are, are struggling to, to take that step. We don't want to be pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone all of the time. Gosh, well. that would be that would be a little much, right? <laughs> but it definitely is a it's an interesting way to think about adventure and, and pursuing something like that. And I really think that for me to to get out of my comfort zone, it's a desire that's so much bigger than the potential struggle or fear around mm. that desire. So it's sort mm -hmm. of this weight. And I notice it when I get, uh, you know, I get an idea for something new and immediately I I have a feeling. Either you're like, eh, that's, eh, that's not for me. Or, wow, if I get the wow, that's an amazing, what if I could do that? Mm. And you're mm. kind of sitting in the, what if I could do that? Could I do that? And then you realize, oftentimes for me, the next thought is, Oh, and then all the things that it might require or all the fears that it could bring up, mm. that's going to cost a lot of money. What will happen to my son if I go do that? 
um, I don't have that much time to take off from work, <laughs> all these barriers that we just put on that yes. aren't necessarily true. Um, yeah. And fears. I don't know if I have the skills to do that. I, mm-hmm. you know, what if I fail, you know, your ego gets involved. And what if my husband, if we go, if I go with my husband, what if we don't get along well, or you know, all these, all of these different fears. And oftentimes, you know, those just kind of get in the way. And mm-hmm. I think that to, to get out of your comfort zone, you, you tap into that idea and you just focus on that guiding, like a beacon, the guiding light of mm-hmm. what was it about that idea that really excited me. And if you can keep kind of hold that in your mind mm-hmm. and, and really focus on that and then kind of settle down on the other objectives mm-hmm. and start to kind of take them apart one by one, you know, and brainstorm, how can I get over that? How can mm-hmm. I take two weeks off? How can I take a month off from work? Mm-hmm. And you can start to get over that. Um, and it's also a gradual process of gradually moving out of your comfort zone mm, and not yeah. diving too deep, like, I'm in my comfort zone and I'm going to go a hundred right. miles beyond. What if you just went five miles beyond and yeah. built some confidence? So mm-hmm. to me, it's also about a stepping stones of building confidence mm-hmm. and then remembering what you did. That was so amazing. That took you out of your comfort zone that now feels comfortable. Mm. And so I reflect back on when I started running, I used to be an, a big ultra runner mm-hmm. running um, hundreds of hundred miles at once. <laughs> When I first started running, a 10K felt out of my comfort zone. Mm. I thought, oh, can I, can I do a 10K? Oh, I don't really want to hurt or I don't want to suffer. And then you do it. And then pretty soon over the years, you've built up and all of a sudden you're, you're standing at the starting line for a hundred mile race that you're going to run through the mountains for over 24 <laughs> hours straight. And you, and in your mind, you're thinking, even at the starting line on my first 100 mile race, I'm thinking, I don't know if I can do this, you know, have I trained hard enough? All of these, Mm. all of these thoughts. But I think that building stepping stones one at a time kind of thing helps you get there. Remember you're tapping into your own confidence, you know, tapping Mm -hmm. into your own experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so important. Taking those little steps, because I think when we get into those, those areas where we're thinking, you know, it's so big, I can't do that, that we get overwhelmed and we actually do nothing. And so to think I could run a kilometer, I could run five kilometers. I mean, to think about standing at the start line of a hundred kilometer race is just completely out of the realm of most of us, but we could probably imagine, you know, walk running maybe a kilometer to start with and, and going from there or a mile, I guess. <laughs> yes, exactly. Kilometers, miles, you know, I know. Depends I'm, I'm a United from. States person, always speaking in miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I really, I really appreciate that, that you can start with something that feels really manageable and just slightly out of your comfort zone and then going from there and then you don't get stuck in all of those objections which I hear those those objections aren't something that you're immune to you have them just like everybody else but you don't let them control you right you say I hear you objections and I'm going to take a step anyway and go for it so that that's great advice and to build on that I would say yes I and even even as much of experience as you get you, I, I, I used to think that you just needed to push fear away. Mm, just mm-hmm. be strong, push it away. You can do mm. this. And the reality is, no matter how many times you do adventures or how many new things you dream up, the fear always comes back. Mm. And I really learned that it's not about contr- it's not about pushing it away as much as it is as accepting it. And I, I really have come to believe that you can befriend fear. And I like to visualize myself 
just walking hand in hand with fear. You're going to be here. You're going to be here. Sometimes you rear your head. Sometimes you won't. But we together, we can do this. And actually fear can sharpen your focus, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially when you're doing something physically difficult. And so it's not a bad thing necessarily mm -hmm. in those in that regard. Mm -hmm. But I try not to let it prevent me from doing things, but I, mm -hmm. I can have it come along if it wants to <laughs> and know it will eventually go away. Oh, so. Wonderful. Now you you took a great big great big bite of a of an adventure when you decided to go to the Antarctic and do an unsupported trek to the South Pole, which it sounds unfathomable, <laughs> but uh, you did it, and we're here talking about it. And I would love to hear, you know, how it felt to be on the Antarctic and to to just be in that space for so many days. And and I would love for you to share with me uh, what that journey was like. Right. Uh, well, I'll give you just a snapshot of just the the goal that we were doing, and then I'll talk about a Great. bit about Antarctica. Yeah. But. Our goal was to ski 570 miles from the edge of Antarctica to the South Pole on the Messner route, which is a route that a well-known mountaineer legend, Reinhold Messner, did originally, although he went across the entire continent hmm. and we went to the South Pole. So the edge of the uh, continent started at the at Ronnie Ice Shelf, which the continent is actually one and a half times the size of the United States. So it's wow. it's huge. Wow. I, you know, when I think about my globe and I see this yes. whole <laughs> continent at the bottom, I do not think that it's that large. It's it's a yeah. tremendous amount of landmass. Mm. And so where we started was an ice shelf. So we weren't actually by the ocean. A lot of times people think we would see penguins, mm -hmm. but where we were, there was not any mm -hmm. penguins because they would be where the um, ice meets the water. Mm -hmm. So, and the terrain in Antarctica is also not all flat. People think it's just flat, but it's actually, you know, it's a giant ice mass in some places up to two miles in depth. Mm. Um, and you, it's ice mass over land predominantly, whereas in the Arctic, it's ice over water. Mm -hmm. So this is ice over land and it's a gradual uphill to the South Pole. So mm. you're going from sea level to 9,000 feet, which oh, is wow. 2,700 kilometers uh, or sorry, meters, meters. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's, it's actually a gradual uphill. And if you're going all by yourself with no guide, no resupply, what that means is that you're dragging a sled of all of your supplies, your food, your fuel, your gear, your tent, everything behind you. And so my husband and I were on this journey together and he and I both had our own sleds, which were weighed in at 220 pounds per person to oh start. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know. Right. And so that was the, that was what we were up against. I mean, you know, and so when you, when you land on the continent, you land on this blue ice runway that slept, that's swept clean by the wind. It's <laughs> such an amazing experience because wow. it's sort of a pop-up situation. It pops up in the summer months, which is November, December, January, when it's light all of the time and it's warmer in quotes <laughs> and um, a plane can land. Hmm. So that was the setting for our journey. It was about 20 below average temperature in the summertime and it's windy all of the time, almost all of the time. It predominantly is coming at you right at you all the time. So 
Uh, but so wait, range... you were walking uphill with a headwind. <laughs> that is true. That's correct. Okay. And we actually, while while walking is sort of true, we were on skis. Okay. But imagine uh, backcountry skis with edges uh-huh. and um, skins on them. So mm-hmm. you're kind of shushing along. So yes. In the, yeah, shuffling. You're basically, you're shuffling, hiking with skis. <laughs> My on. goodness. Yeah, and so uh, we we started our journey in you know basically December first of two thousand and thirteen. So we set off on our journey and really a lot of that journey is about getting used to the environment and adjusting to the environment. And your question about what is it like? I mean, right when we arrived and we got out of the plane, we just, it was like landing on another planet. It was so spectacular because it was just this white open canvas all around you. Now, where we landed at Union Glacier, there are some mountain range uh, right nearby. So there was this amazing mountain range, um, glistening blue sky, just the sun is out. And it, it, the sun, when it's out, it's it's out all day long. And right. so you're just, you're literally just watching your shadow change. Uh, but the sun's going around your head up in the sky. It's so amazing. And um, when you're moving through Antarctica, it's clear much of the time. And then much of the time, it's also a low light or it can be white out. So it's not really, uh, there was a bit of snow, but not much. It's actually a desert in Antarctica. Mm. It's um, so, it's one of the driest places on earth. So that doesn't have a lot of precipitation. It's kind of moving sugary snow around in the wind. And so you get drifting and Mm -hmm. things like that. But oftentimes, you know, it's just, um, it's not going to be snowing, especially during the summer months. Um, yeah, moving through Antarctica was, uh, it was like you were seeing a place, even though you knew a lot of people had been there before, other explorers, other people, it still felt felt pristine and, and untouched. Also because the wind is scouring everything clean. Mm-hmm. So if even people were there a few days before us, you're not, you're not going to see their footprints mm-hmm. or their ski, their ski prints. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just an amazing place in that regard. Much of the journey was about just getting used to the environment. Uh, We would move uh, nine to 10 hours a day of hard work. And, you know, we had estimated it would take us about 40 to 45 days. We thought 40 days, 15 miles a day of pulling Mm -hmm. after all of our research and planning with some people who had been there before. At one point, we realized around day 30, we're like, you know, we're not going to make it in 45 days. Mm. and we're going to run out of food. But this mm. was well in advance. We're kind of plotting out our pace. Mm-hmm. We need to rejig our food. So we had 5,600 calories per person per day, which is about double what an average athlete might eat regular mm-hmm. in regular life. But we were burning seven to 8,000 calories a day due to the exertion and also the cold. Sure. So we knew we were going to be losing weight. And, and and so therefore we actually put on a little bit of weight prior to going <laughs> and then, but at this point we were, okay, we need to rejig our food. We made like three more days of food, just took away some calories from each day to prepare to not run out of food basically was our plan. <laughs> uh, but things, you know, it, uh, there was great, amazing days and there were super hard, challenging things about that journey. Um, it was, you know, it took us 48 days. of uh, going one, only one rest day the entire time. Oh my goodness. And yeah, we worked with mentors telling us, you know, 
you might want to take a rest day about every 10 days ish. Like when they guide, they, they get a rest day every mm -hmm. about 10 days. Mm -hmm. But we were, uh, you know, felt really good at 10 days. And by 20, we were like, okay, we need a break. So 21, day 21, mm -hmm. we took a break. And then by day 30, we were worried about running out of food. Mm -hmm. And we thought if we take more rest days, we're just eating up our food. Mm -hmm. So we, we just decided, I mean, we'll take a day if we really need to, but it has to be, you know, and then a, a real reason why, because our safety is actually paramount at this point with yeah. running out of food. I cannot underestimate how difficult or, or how much stress it puts on you to be your own guide in a place where you sure. have never done it before. Yeah. And you're, you're, you've done some practicing to simulate, but not, not really exactly mm -hmm. these conditions. And so, and then to me, that's what it feels like to be like the true explorer. You're like, whoa, I'm really out here. I am outside my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. like immediately into a place that I've never been. And mm -hmm. so as your body and your mind are starting to deteriorate because of all that hard work every single day, mm -hmm. you get more and more concerned about your decision-making uh, abilities. Mm -hmm. And so you, tr you try to conserve your energy and not really focus on, okay, I've made a decision. I need to move on to stay focused on staying safe for all of the other things that could go wrong. You can't lose a piece of gear to the wind because there's mm -hmm. no way to replace that gear. Mm -hmm. You can't, take your focus off of staking out your tent every night, because if your tent blows away, it's you're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. So there was just sort of this constant, you have to be aware. There's mm -hmm. all these don'ts happening around you. Don't, mm -hmm. don't mess up, you know, don't accidentally mm -hmm. trip and, you know, break your leg, you know, don't, you know, just all of these things. So you just felt that stress of feeling like I have to focus all the time. And yeah. Um, so it's really, yeah. it sounds like a really a head game as much as anything. Obviously, it's a very physically challenging trek that you did, but it sounds like there's also a lot in your head that needs to be managed as you go along. And I'm, I'm curious, like you said that there were some really down moments and some really great moments. So I'm wondering if you would be willing to share with us sort of one of those highs and, and maybe one of those lows as well and how you dealt with it. Uh, a top moment would be I, I have these imprinted in my mind the day where you're skiing along and it's as if the ice is just the most slippery ice you've ever been on. And your sled feels like nothing, mm. you know, because sometimes you're dragging through snow that feels like sand and it's oh. like, oh, my God. So you're you're gliding. The sun is out. The wind has died down a bit. You're you're going along. And um, at times we would listen to music when the weather wasn't crazy. So I have a nice music playing in my headphones mm -hmm. and I'm leading. We, we went in a single file and we traded mm -hmm. off leads. Mm -hmm. I'm leading and I'm not even having to really think. I'm sort of guy. I'm just, it's just, I'm in this flow moment. My goggles aren't fogging over <laughs> and my zipper works and it's not frozen <laughs> over and my breathing isn't causing havoc around my head. And I can, and it's a beautiful day and it's crystal clear blue sky and it's like you're just melting into one with the environment around you and and hours melt away mm. and you look at your watch and you're you're thinking how have we gone 8 hours already it's time you know 9 hours and those days just were just like the reward that mm. we all look for when we're out in the in the wild to feel mm -hmm. that feeling I feel and chills it, hearing you describe that, just the, the beauty and the, the, the flow state that the you can get state. in when everything is just 
going well and you're enjoying it. You're in the moment and eight hours goes by like nothing. Like, wow. Yeah. And you're thinking, how can I stay here? I want to be here for the whole rest of the journey. Uh, but then one of the most challenging days that pops into my mind when you ask that question was around day 39. By day 39, I think I've mentioned already, we've had one rest day. And really, we by this point, we needed another rest day but we couldn't not take another rest day. So you have this mental struggle of, I really want another rest day and I can't have another rest day. And I had dropped into the tent probably the last couple days before that feeling you, you, you fall into the tent and you sort of get ready to melt snow for water and Mm -hmm. um, feeling really at the end of my physical and mental limits. Like Mm. I can keep going, but can I? Can I really keep going? And nothing was like, I didn't have something wrong. It was like depleted, so Mm -hmm. tired, so feeling isolated. And um, so I, you know, I, I dropped in the tent and just started crying the last Mm. few few days before that. And, you know, normally lots of exercise is very um, mentally stress reliever for me but by this point it was causing (laughs) you know um you know you're reaching that point where you're not sure you can you can keep it together like I can keep myself going but can I keep Mm -hmm. it together Mm -hmm. and at the same time my husband was hitting the same place so we were actually able to prop each other up throughout oh you know you're having a rough day I prop you up he props me up but this day we we sort of sunk to the lowest together Mm. And we weren't able to be there for each other. And it felt foreign because in our marriage, you know, normally that isn't how it works. And Mm. it wasn't like we were mad at each other Mm -hmm. or our love wasn't there for each other. Mm -hmm. We were incapable Mm -hmm. of accessing it Mm -hmm. and supporting each other like usual in that moment. If you looked at photos of my tent, you would see (sighs) that there was quotes and and words from inspiration from all of our friends and family all over the tent on the inside. And we had them do that prior to leaving and we didn't look at it till we got there. And over the days you're laying in the tent, you're reading all these and you're reading them and rereading them and rereading them. But by that day, that night when I lay down, it was like those words had new meaning Mm. because the place I was at in my mind and body. Mm. And before you'd be like, oh yeah, that's nice. That's cute. Oh, that that's a lot of meaning. That really yeah. means a lot to me to hear these mm-hmm. words from these mm-hmm. important people in my life who are cheering me on. You really had a lot of external support. But but being there, I mean, at the end of the day, you really are on your own and you'd still have to make that journey all on your own. And how did it feel when you got to the end? Oh my goodness. The last day was our hard, one of our hardest days because mm. It was 50 to Bolo and the wind was howling and we, <laughs> of course, <laughs> and, and while we didn't run out of food, we ran out of some things like, um, coffee, which, Mar- <laughs> oh, which, dear. Mar- which Marty really <laughs> needs his coffee. And, um, we had a few mishaps in getting dressed that day and he forgot to put his, his major balaclava on his head and he had to dig for it in the cold and we were, Mm. we started out really cold. So we, with the whole day we were freezing and we just did not take any breaks that day. But then you might not realize that the South pole, our final destination, there is a South pole station Mm. at the South pole. Mm. 
So it's called the Amundsen Scott South Pole Station. So as you're getting closer, you're going to see some buildings. (laughs) So it's surreal. It's actually, you've been in this wide open landscape for 48 days and now you're seeing buildings you know and you're thinking you're on another planet it really does feel that way like where did these build how did these buildings get built here so they're doing research u.s based research there and so as we pulled into the south as you see it you know now you know you're you're going to make it and um you're getting closer and closer we called in you have to call them to let them know you're coming so that they you can go around this research area that they don't want you to to disturb and um and as we approached we're looking at each other we're side by side finally instead of in a in a row mm-hmm. and we're crying into goggles we're going to make it <laughs> and marty says you know let's call keenan my son and share this moment with him and at that time it was saturday at about 10 a.m. in um the Pacific Northwest. And so we called him. My sister was here. She answered, Hey, put Keenan on the line. And we're like, We're at the South Pole, you know, and we got to share that <laughs> moment with him. And Beautiful. it was really mm. amazing. It was spontaneous. My husband just sort mm-hmm. of thought of this. And it, I'm so glad we did that because we could share with him that moment and how proud we were of him and his own expedition he was having back at home without mm-hmm. us. And, um, and then we thought we were going to set up our tent, you know, then we're at the South pole and there's these markers and you take pictures with these special markers to show you're there. <laughs> and then you think you're just going to set up your tent. And I didn't realize that, um, the company that we, that flew us there, they have an, a small industrial tent there and they're like, hello, welcome, come on in. And it's like Narnia going through the closet <laughs> from freezing to like, <laughs> what world have I entered? <laughs> this is warm and there's chairs and there's food and a table. Mm. And it was, it was like, you could not believe, especially again, I didn't have an expectation of this happening. And, and you just, you just feel like instantly this shell of armor you've been wearing to protect yourself sort of melted away from you. And we sat down by this, they had sort of this heater, like not a fireplace, but like this heater that you're sitting by, felt like you're sitting by a fireplace. Mm. And we just sat there with this silly grins on our face, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And, and, they're, and they're asking, you know, we've got some spaghetti and we have cookies and all these, all this yummy food. And we just didn't even want anything yet. We sat there just taking it in for a couple hours before we wow. said, yes, let's have some food. It was that, it was that amazing. It was, um, it was what just was the, the feeling aside from exhaustion when you were sitting there by that cozy fire or the heater that felt like a fire. What, what was the feeling in your body? Oh yeah. You know, the exhaustion actually went away. It was mm. more, it was actually more, I think euphoric would, would mm-hmm. be a word that would fit. And also it was as if your body, it was light. It was like my body could float away. That's how it mm. felt. It felt like um, I was separated from all of that worry and exhaustion. And I was, it was almost just like being at that other bliss moment I told you about in a yeah. completely different way. Yeah. It was in a, like a peaceful, quiet way. Mm. of of contentment, complete and utter 
satisfaction and contentment mm. for c- accomplishing something that you really, you really literally had no idea if you could do or not. Mm-hmm. And it took, you know, three years of preparation and training and to figure out how to do it on your mm-hmm. own. And um, it's, it's, it's all kind of washed over you. And, mm-hmm. and in that moment, just, I just remember putting my hand on Marty's holding hands and it was like, almost like no words. There was no yeah. words. It was yeah. just, we, we both knew that something that nobody else would ever know. <laughs> and while I wrote a book about it and I tried to explain it so people could live it with me, you know, it, it was, it's almost inexplicable in some regards. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. And that's great segue to, to chatting about your book. So you wrote a book about the experience and um, called Expedition, correct? And the Expedition. Yeah. The Expedition. Yeah. yeah. And so how was it to kind of relive your experience through writing the book? What was that process like for you? I love that question. I don't often get asked that, uh, mm. how it was, because there was, if you can imagine how I've described this journey, there's not really a lot of time to reflect on what did I learn from that experience each day, you <laughs> no. know, and each day you've learned something and it's this cumulative effect ha- happening, but you haven't been able to process any of it really. Mm-hmm. Now I was trying to keep a journal every day, but it was really bullet pointy, just sort of Mm-hmm. get the facts out kind of thing. <laughs> and it got a little more sparse as we got closer to the end. <laughs> so reliving it, I would pull up my bullet points, but we also had blogs every day, mm-hmm. voice blogs, so I could hear how we mm. sounded. And then I also had a lot of photographs and video. So piecing that all back together through a quiet lens of reflection was really, really a great way to understand how this affected me, how I changed, you know, um, what I was like, you know, pre-South Pole, post-South mm-hmm. Pole, because it was a really long journey. It was, I mean, even, you know, three years to prep and then, mm-hmm. you know, then I we do it and then it takes to a couple, two, three years to kind of get through this. I had some personal things happening with my parents and things that I couldn't mm-hmm. just write it straight through. So. Time actually was to my benefit as I, as I got older and could, I get, as I got more distance from the story, mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. see the reality of myself mm-hmm. and my ego and how I was under pressure, things that you don't necessarily want to see about yourself or, you know, realize. And it was really good. And it helped mm-hmm. me also see my relationship with my husband under high stress, how we are. Mm-hmm. And some of those same characteristics come out under low stress, but you can, you can really see kind of your, your go-to ways of being with each other. Mm. And, it, you know, yeah, the patterns are patterns, <laughs> patterns really in yes. your face. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, um, I mean, some of the things I learned for sure had to do with, I see myself as a very strong, bold woman. And mm-hmm. so that's sort of part of my identity. But that strength was getting in my way sometimes oh, to, interesting. to be too strong, to be strong mm-hmm. when I don't feel strong. I literally was saying the mantra to myself sometimes as I'm skiing, be strong, be strong, mm-hmm. because I'm trying to get through. Sure. And then I realized that, again, pushing myself too hard 
can lead to breakdown in mm -hmm. just many ways. Mm -hmm. So especially physically, and that could really mm -hmm. be detrimental. Absolutely. So I really started trying to listen to myself and say, you know, you're not weak if you're not strong. Because mm -hmm. I had this negative feeling about weakness mm -hmm. and, um, you know, realizing that I can be strong and I can be vulnerable at yeah. the same time. Mm. And it's, chills. And I got it's, chills again. Yeah. yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I'm a kind of a driven, achieving kind of person and, you know, I don't have to be perfect. You know, no. there's no perfect way to live our lives or mm -hmm. to do a journey and um, it really helped me let go of a lot of that kind of thinking that I didn't realize was really there, really there mm -hmm. so much. Um, mm -hmm. At one point, I just felt like, you know, this armor that I had around my heart to protect myself sort of shattered. And, mm. you know, it just went away. And it, and it said, you know, it, well, it became a story about, it came kind of became a story about love, really, which mm. was really surprising to me in <laughs> that I learned that, you know, I can't love as broadly and as deeply as I really can if I'm not loving myself for all those other flaws, right? Yeah. So it was yeah. like, whoa, where did that come from? I mean, literally writing this going, what? You know, <laughs> so it definitely uncovered things that were unexpected, but it also was fun to piece it all back together. I wanted to do it for my son, because at age 12, I don't, you know, he wouldn't really understand all of the complexities. And I wanted him to have a, a way to see how it all came together as he ages and becomes an adult. Um, and then I really wanted to inspire others to just not necessarily go to Antarctica, but to mm -hmm. feel like whatever it is that's pulling you in a mm -hmm. direction that is exciting and is pulling you to growth and learning something new that you can do it. You know, what mm -hmm. is it? Mm -hmm. Listen to that voice and, <laughs> and start, take that step, you know, take that step towards that goal. And I mean, writing a book is, is kind of like a marathon as well, right? Or maybe an ultra marathon. And uh, so I imagine that, that in the writing of the book, reliving some of those memories, but also that experience of, you know, I'm at mile 70 <laughs> in the book. And did you have that point? You know, you're such a perceptive person. Yes, completely, <laughs> completely. In fact, I feel like, you know, it's an endurance sport for sure. Yes. Uh, writing a book is an endurance sport. In fact, everything I did prior to that prepared me to write the book because mm. I don't come from a journalistic background necessarily. I have come from a business background. I do a lot of writing for business and I do a little bit of creative writing and I speak. But to sit down and write a book that, you know, you want you know, that you want people to be able to follow and you want it to flow and all of these things. It really took um, so much perseverance and so mm -hmm. much pushing through self-doubt. I had more mm -hmm. self-doubt in writing the book than I did in any of my uh, other adventures. And I think it wow. was because um, I didn't have all those milestones building, building, building up. I sort of yeah. jumped into the, into the, uh, out of my comfort zone pretty quickly. <laughs> and then I had, and then I backpedaled and I started getting um, advice, doing more, you know, uh, finding mentors. Um, so I backpedaled and then it sort of started up again. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, 
it was quite a journey to get through. Well, and congratulations. I, I know that's a huge, huge uh, undertaking and all of it, really. And it's just amazing to hear about it. So I'm curious, what is your next adventure? What are you planning next? Right. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of ideas for next adventures that are on the bigger scale. But this is the next one that's actually is a bit smaller as we all come out of our cocoons of COVID and we can enter the world in different ways, we have decided, you know, we're just going to kind of start dipping our toe back in. And, and this is uh, actually in early December, we're heading to the Exumas as a chain of islands in the Bahamas. Mm. And we are going to do a 10-day kayak trip with uh, a couple friend of ours and um so we'll be on white sandy beaches and snorkeling in aqua blue water and oh. <laughs> spear fishing and just enjoying the quiet uh warmth of mm -hmm. the bahamas quite a contrast to the antarctic but um it yeah. sounds like a much more comfortable adventure <laughs> yeah this is sort of it's more of a comfortable yeah it's, yeah it's not on the edge over there pushing mm -hmm. all the buttons but it's um it will be a, a fun adventure but like you said earlier, all our adventures don't have to push us way out of our comfort zone. And, and it's really great to mix it up and to, to just be able to relax and to enjoy um, and then to push yourself and to be challenged. And that's obviously something that really drives you is that challenge and feeds you. And I can just really feel the excitement when you're talking about it. And it's, it's infectious. So I'm so grateful for our conversation today. Great. Thank Thanks. you so much, Chris, for speaking with us. And I really, I think that this will land in our community really well and, and uh, that women will be excited to hear about your adventure. I'm curious, where can people find you online if they want to hear more about you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I have a website. It's chrisfagan.net. So that's C-H-R-I-S-F-A-G-A-N.net. Mm -hmm. And then on there, you'll find links to social media and um, my book. And you can also search for my book, The Expedition mm -hmm. by Chris Fagan. Uh, it's everywhere you would buy a book. So Great. and the exciting thing that just launched about a week ago is that my audio book is Ooh. launching and I'm the narrator of it. Great. So I'm super excited about that just coming out. And again, that's going to be at all kinds of outlets worldwide. I know a lot of people use Audible. It's not yep. there yet. It's taken a while to get up there, but it's at a lot of other places so you can search for it there as well. Fantastic. But, um, yeah. I love listening to books and you, you've got a great voice for it. So <laughs> wonderful. Oh, I'm great. So glad Thanks. that you did yeah. that. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. It's really been fun reliving the time in Antarctica and various other adventures with you today. And it's been great going along with you uh, in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> Wild Women Expeditions is a global leader in women's adventure travel, and we're so much more. We're nature lovers. We aim to empower women and communities around the world. Want to know more? Check us out at wildwomenexpeditions.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs>